0: Thanks, Craig. Well, I appreciate that very much. Thanks, Craig. How are you? Good. You all good? I, uh, I would have to say that a lot of the credit <clears throat> for what we're able to do um, goes obviously to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I also have two amazing partners that do life beside me. One of them is Dean McSpadden. Would you stand up, Dean? The other one is Jonathan Adrian. And Jonathan and Dean... We uh, we meet every Thursday morning. We have a triumvirate, a, a, a leadership team of three of us. We don't make decisions. We don't go forward. We don't hire, fire. We don't do anything without the three of us being in lockstep, which is very, very unique. Uh, Ray Alger, our chairman. Ray, would you stand up as well? Ray takes rocks out of my saddles on a weekly basis, and I am extremely grateful um, for that. But people say, why do you go to the Starbucks all the time? Well, uh, a good friend of mine, Dick Hall, told me a story about a famous bank robber. And the famous bank robber, they ask him, why do you rob banks? And he says, well, that's where the money is. <laughs> what well, do you think about that? Why do you go to Starbucks? That's where the people are. And so that's where all the good heathens come and they get their coffee. And it's very easy to share Jesus right there. So it's an honor to be with you this morning. Um, since 9-11, we kind of got a little bit lackadaisical about fear and terrorism. 9-11 really woke us up. I was two blocks from the Brooklyn Bridge. I opened up my uh, Marriott uh, hotel room, and there are the Twin Towers just billowing. Both of them are just black smoke. I didn't see them come down. I was on the floor, couldn't see them. But that morning out of the hotel room, I saw the smoke coming out of there. We kind of forgot about terrorism for a while, and then we began to read about terrorism. We began to see terrorism on CNN. We would look at it from a distance. And terrorism and fear like that was kind of over there. It was kind of out there. We didn't really have to worry about it here. And then the Paris thing happened last year. When Paris hit, terrorism so far all of a sudden wasn't wasn't home, but, but Paris was closer. We invaded the beaches of Normandy. We've got an affinity with France. France has an affinity with us. And so all of a sudden, this fear began to be real in our lives. And then the San Bernardino thing took place. And all of a sudden now, there's terrorism on our shores, terrorism in our backyard, and there's fear. There's there's incredible fear. In 2015, over 7,000 believers were murdered just because of their faith. 2,400 churches were destroyed just because there were believers. And so when you look at the world today, you can become very fearful. There is fear. There are some evil people out there who chant death to America, death to America, death to America. And they would do everything and anything they possibly can to annihilate us. So there, there is fear out there. And then all of us... There's a context of fear that affects your lives. So fear is not just out there somewhere. Fear is in your workplace. Fear is in your home. Fear is in your neighborhood. Every one of us in this room, we have been and we are affected by fearful people. You have maybe some insecure supervisors or an insecure business owner, and it affects your life. Everything about you, gets impacted because of their fears. You have a neighbor who may be obnoxious. And oftentimes, I think anger and insecurity is really masked as what? As fear. Fearful people get angry often. Fearful people are the most insecure people that you and I know. So you've got a neighbor who's upset with something. And it affects your life. It affects everything about you because of all their fears. Maybe you're married to somebody. Who is filled with fears. Or maybe you grew up in a home where an uncle gave you some really bad advice. But your uncle, because he was filled with fears, tried to help you do better in life. And really it didn't help you a bit. Really it was some incredibly bad advice. Maybe, maybe you've got, you know, all these people in your life that are affecting you because of fear. And so today, what do we do with this? Because we've got fears. Fears not just out there. Fears not just with a supervisor or with work or with a neighbor or with a spouse or with an uncle or a grandparent. We've got fears in here. We've grown up with fear. Fear grows. And as we get older, either our fears increase or our faith increases. But they both don't happen at the same time. The odd thing about fear is fear chokes our faith. In fact, the more faith you have, the less fears you have. But the more fears you have, the less faith you have. They can't live in the same environment. Faith and fear do not cohabitate. And so what do we do with your fears? Because you've got fears. And if we were at Starbucks together, I don't even drink coffee. I hate coffee. That's the funny thing about Starbucks. I drink tea. I hate coffee. But if we were at Starbucks together... And within about 15 minutes, we were having a conversation. And I would ask you, what are your three greatest fears? Within just a few minutes, you would be able to recognize, if I asked the right questions, what your three greatest fears are. So what do we do? As believers, what do we do with the fears that are right inside of us? What do we do with the fears that are around our tables and our families and our neighborhoods and our workplaces? And what do we do with legitimate fear? there is legitimate fear out there in the world. What do we do? And so when we look at the words of Paul from Timothy and Paul says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I didn't give you a spirit of timidity. See, as a believer, that's not what motivates us. I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I didn't give you a spirit of timidity. I gave you a spirit of power and I gave you a sound mind And the only way that happens is when the spirit of the living God begins to dwell inside of us. And so I want to talk about fear today because it's something that all of us must come to grips with and it's something that grows. Fear is contagious, just like faith. Faith and fear are the most contagious things you'll ever experience. And so what do you want in life? As you get older, do you want your fears to dominate and rule your life or as we age and season and mature do we want to have greater faith today than we did the year before I think that we do I think that's why you're here the question is not do I want it it's what do I do and how do I get there when we look at our lord he's always the place to start and our lord was betrayed our lord was illegally tried our lord was flogged Our Lord was crucified. Our Lord was given the maximum sentence. When we look at our Lord, I wouldn't say that he was without fear. But I would say he didn't live fearfully. When we think about the garden and he said to God a couple of times, right? Lord, if it's possible, Father, if it's possible, what do you say? Please let this cup, what? Pass. I don't want to do this. I think Jesus was afraid. There was fear in Jesus, but he didn't live fearfully. Huge difference between the two. We all have fears. We'd be foolish not to have some fears. There are some legitimate fears that we should have. But if we live fearfully, we're in some serious trouble. So let's look at some passages of Scripture uh, about our Lord. First one, put the first one on the screen if you guys would. Mark 15, wanting to satisfy the crowd. Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Matthew 27, they stripped him, put on him a scarlet robe, twisted together a crown of thorns, it on his head. They put a staff on his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and they mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. They took the staff. They struck him on the head again and again. Matthew chapter 27, verse 39 and 40. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. And Matthew 27, verse 42 says, He saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. What's so interesting about our Lord is, he wasn't captured fleeing to Egypt. He wasn't captured trying to hide in one of David's caves. He wasn't captured like in a port or on a boat somewhere, getting ready to go across the Mediterranean. He walked down Main Street. He rode down Main Street on a day when Messianic expectations were at the highest. He comes in on Passover. Passover. Here comes Pontius Pilate and 500 Roman soldiers from one direction. And here comes Jesus down the Mount of Olives into the city. And he announces to everybody, I'm here. I'm here. And they captured him. And they crucified him. And they killed our Lord. Do you think he was afraid? Well, I do. Our Savior understood fear. You understand fear. Some of you in this room, you wake up. Scared to death every day. You're afraid of failure. You're afraid of loneliness. You're, you should be afraid of your wife. You're afraid of your wife. You're afraid you won't measure up to be a good dad or good grandfather. You're afraid of retirement. Ed just retired, what, two days ago? Five days, three days ago? Ed did. We'll be praying for Ed. He'll be in depression the next six months. Some, some of you are afraid. I won't have enough resource. All All of us in this room some of us don't sleep well. And it's not because, you know, we stayed up too late. It's because we went to bed early, but we've got all this fear going on inside. Of. What do we do with that? How do we, we go forward? Well, um, I want to look a couple more passages of Scripture. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. Now, what does this mean? how can this be a remedy for fear? How can this be an action plan? Whoever wants to be my disciple, disciples a learner, disciples a follower, they must deny themselves. It means life's not about me. I'm not the center of the universe. I then take up the cross, which means I have now His agenda, and I begin to follow Him. I think that's when we begin to figure out that we've got a plan And we've got a mission, and we're on a mission, and and, and our fears then begin to kind of dissuade a little bit because all of a sudden we realize that life's bigger than us. And so what are the parts in your life that God's calling you to do or God's calling you to be? And you're afraid. And he's not going to probably call any of you to go be missionaries in Africa, okay? You're freaked out about that. That's always what's always said. That'll never happen. But but what, what, what is it in your life right now that you know that you know that you know that the Holy Spirit is calling you to go forward, but there's a little bit of fear or there's a little bit of trepidation? I, I remember um, a couple of years ago when we started talking about building the wedding chapel. And everybody started talking about it. And then the people had all these fears just came out of the woodworks. Now, there's only it takes about 5% of your people to have fear to, to create pandemonium and, and panic, Right? Everybody was so fearful if you build a wedding chapel we 'll be in jail we 'll lose our tax exempt status if you, if you build a wedding chapel, how are you going to be able to marry just heterosexuals? How are you going to marry just just god 's plan a and so, so again, about five percent of our church just were incredibly negative about that, but God laid that vision on our heart. God laid a vision on our heart to come back to what he created within the home and within the family, and that vision comes from our heavenly Father. So what if we lost our tax-exempt status? So what if a couple of us went to jail? As long as it's Jerry, not me. So what? If if Jerry goes to jail, I'm okay with that. Are you guys okay with that? I I am too. I'm not going. And and so the, the, the point is, the Father has called us to plan A. He's called us to morals. He's called us to values. He's called us to a mission. None of it's easy. By the way, not that politics, I'll go back to Craig for just a minute, but the state and the governor just signed a law that actually protects us. Actually protects us as pastor. If you read about that in the paper this past week, that's awesome. It is awesome. So we can't be sued and we can't lose our tax exempt status. But what if we did? What if we did? You see, following our Lord sometimes is costly, following our Lord sometimes is risky. Have you ever felt God calling you to go do something you've chickened out? You knew that, you knew that, you knew that the Holy Spirit was just tugging on your heart and and, and you didn't do it. But usually He gives you a do over. He gives you a chance to do that again, doesn't He? Look at the next verse of Scripture, if you would Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. This is what we're to be afraid of. Jesus understood our need for security, Jesus understood our need for risk aversion. And and you would be wise to avoid unnecessary risk. Nobody in the room should just jump into unnecessary risk, right? But Jesus gives us a path here and a pattern about what we should fear. Here's what he says. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Jesus wasn't afraid of Caiaphas. He wasn't afraid of Annas. He wasn't afraid of Pontius Pilate. He wasn't afraid of the 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 chief priests and the teachers of the law. Jesus, but he said, "Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy." Now here's where the message turns. Don't don't fall asleep. Stay with me on this because this is what you got to get. You see, you got reasons to be fearful. You got people who are afraid. You've been taught by well-intentioned relatives in your life, be afraid of this. Don't do this. Don't do this. You've been taught how to risk aversion. Here's the pattern from Jesus. Jesus says, don't be afraid of the people who can kill the body. But you better take attention. You better stand up straight. You better notice the one that you should be afraid of. And that's your Heavenly Father. You should have great reverence for your Heavenly Father. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. I've been to the Sea of Galilee. I was on the Sea of Galilee. In fact, Ron and I were there together. And there was about four-foot waves that particular day. And we were trying to have a concert on the boat. Don Moen and these guys were trying to stand up on the bow of the boat. And it's four-foot waves. And they both about fell into the water. And I would have laughed. I would have thought that was hilarious. But anyway, um, I, I can only imagine the storm that took place that one story. Jesus was asleep in the front of the boat. The guys freak out. They wake him up. Look at the next passage of Scripture. He says this. He replied, you have a little faith. Remember they woke him up? Jesus, we're about to drown. Don't you care that we're about to perish? Oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Who who, who is this? Even the wind and the waves. Now that's who I want to give my life to. I want to give my life to the one who controls the wind and the waves. And when we keep that focus in front of us, it's not that we won't have fear. It's not that there aren't things to be afraid of. It's just that we won't live fearfully. I want to share this little, little sentence. See, uncertainty is unavoidable. Uncertainty is unavoidable. You may get cancer. Your neighbor may get mad at you and sue you. Your boss may have all kind of insecurities. Uncertainty is unavoidable. Nobody in this room can plan with certainty everything. It is unavoidable. But being fearful, that is optional. That's the point this morning. How about we live the rest of our lives with passion and with peace and with courage and with strength and with vision? You see, uncertainty is unavoidable. But being fearful, I think that is always, always an option. So here's what I'm going to suggest you do today. I'm going to, I'm going to have, I have a suggestion that I don't think you'll ever forget. And here's the suggestion. I want you to fight fear with a plan. Say that with me out loud. Fight fear with a plan. Again, fight fear with a plan. And so I want to talk about this this is what I want you to remember. I want you to be able to put it up here. You don't write it down because you'll lose it or put it on your phone, but, but put it up here. Fight fear with a plan. Now, whenever you're afraid of something, you've got a couple of options. You can ignore it. You can pretend it isn't real. You can somehow go start drinking, or you can somehow go start doing pornography, or you can somehow go start doing something that's absolutely foolish, but it won't go away. It doesn't go away. So So how can you do this? Well, first of all, I don't know where I learned this. I'd like to tell you somebody sat me down and gave me this great lesson, but I don't know where, but I think I know when I adopted this plan. I did not get this from my dad. I did not get this from my grandfathers. I did not get this from my uncles. In fact, when you look at my family, my family operates out of fear. My family makes decisions based on fear. Most of the men in my family have been risk avoidance, fearful and always afraid, even though they knew the right thing to do. The men in my family have not necessarily made those calculated uh, risks that they knew God was calling them to do. I don't know where I learned this. I just know when. When I was 18 to to my early 20s, I made a choice that the things that I was afraid of, I was going to walk right toward. And I was afraid about my education. I grew up in a nice Indiana, Midwestern home. My sister's brilliant. My brother's brilliant. And I was always playing ball. I was always playing sports. I was always doing something outside. And I I didn't really like school. School School's okay. School's fine. School's just okay. I go to Johnson Bible College. You're going to love to hear this. You may retract what you said about me as the pastor. I go to Johnson Bible College. You take a test. The first week you go on your Bible knowledge. You take a test. How well do you know the Bible? I scored in the bottom 14th percentile of all people who ever took that test. Aren't you glad I'm your pastor? (laughs) Scared me to death. Scared me to death. I'd burned all my bridges. I lost my scholarship to Purdue for radio and television. I'm now at this Bible college. I'm really good with math. Math has always been easy for me. And now I'm in a program that's Greek and Hebrew and languages. It's a program completely different than what I'm good at. I was scared to death, and I went right at it. I went right for it. And you can ask Anita this: I was the most you know anal Bible college student you'll ever find. On Friday and Saturday nights, I'm in the library. I go to graduate school because I'm scared. I'm on the Ph.D. track because I'm scared. I learned somewhere early in life. Let me give you another example. People with means or people with power or people that were important just intimidated a fool out of me. I'm 18, 20 years old. And we had at our church, I can never, I'll never forget. We had a banquet at our church and I was 18 years old. There was a whole bunch of us and it was time to serve dinner to a bunch of people that came for like a church banquet. And there was kind of a VIP table with the governor and the secretary of education and a couple of other people, and nobody wanted to do it. None of our high school students wanted to serve them. I said, I'll do it. I was scared to death. I was scared I was going to spill tea on one of them. I was afraid I was going to forget their desserts. But, but my point is, here's my whole point. This has worked well for me, is to learn to face your fears. Facing your fears, I think, works well. Because it gives God the opportunity to receive the glory. Because you know you're scared to death. You know you don't have the skills. You know you're not smart enough or gifted enough or good enough. But when you fight fear with a plan, great things begin to take place. So let me give you some specifics about that. The first one is attitude. What's the first part about fighting fear with a plan? What's my attitude going to be about fear? Am I going to let fear dominate and dictate my actions or am I going to let my faith dominate? It's an attitude. Everybody has to make that decision. What is going to be my attitude toward fear? Number two, what are my actions? What will my actions be toward fear? So I want to give you some principles and then I want to give you some some priorities. Okay, so number one, here's some principles. I, I would... And this is what I try to do, is I would surround yourself with those who fear God. There's only three kinds of people in this world, wise, foolish, and evil. There's only three, wise, foolish, and evil. Every person can be categorized as either wise, foolish, or evil. Now, there's degrees of wisdom, there's degrees of foolishness, and there's degrees of evil, but every person is either wise, foolish, or evil. Why would we ever surround ourselves, if we want to be faithful, why would we ever surround ourselves with people who are foolish? And so the core people around you, I would surround yourself with people who fear God the most. Number two, I would memorize Scripture that leads to the reverence of your Father. We can all memorize in this room. We've got plenty of time. We watch TV. The average American watches six hours of TV a day. Now, I don't have six hours to watch TV, but we've got plenty of time. You can memorize one verse a week that helps you to have reverence for your Heavenly Father. Everybody can do that. Number, t- number three, build habits that move you or keep you in the center of God's will. So what are my habits? It's a plan. I'm going to fight fear with the plan. What are the habits that I'm going to have that keep me in the center of God's will? And number four, I prioritize my values and I list them. We write down, what do I value? Because I value Christ. Man, I love our church. I value Danita. I want to be the most helpful dad, coach my older kids. What are your values? You write down your values and you prioritize. And then number, number five is this. What do I fear the most? What's my greatest fear? And then do a 21-day fast and pray every day about your greatest fear. A 21-day fast. That's fighting fear with the plan. So let me ask you this. If your greatest fear is losing your job, how do you fight that? If your greatest fear is loneliness, how do you fight that? If your greatest fear is retirement or I don't have enough income or, I don't, or I'm lonely, what, 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 how do you fight that with a plan? Well, let's talk about each one of those for just briefly. If you fear losing your job, what, what can you do? You can build skills. You can go back to school. You see, that's a plan. If you're afraid someday that you're going to be obsolete, <clears throat> why would you ever stop building your skills? What are the skills that you can develop and grow in each and every year? Number two, I, I fear that I fear retirement. Maybe somebody says, I just, "I just fear retirement." All right. Well, before you get to retirement, fight that fear with a plan. What can you do? How? Could, where can you volunteer? What, what hobbies can you take up? Well, I fear that I won't have enough resources in, in retirement. Okay. What can you do today just to save a little bit of money? So if you save 50 bucks a month, what will that get me in five years? I mean, you you fight fear with a plan. Most men do nothing. The problem with Adam in the garden is he was passive. He was right next to Eve, and Eve was about to take the, the apple, and he should have said, hey, babe, time out. We're not doing that. That's not what God said. And take a big old hoe and just chop the serpent in half. That's what he should have done, right? No, don't hit Eve with the hoe. No, no, no. Don't hit Eve. No, no. That's in the Bible too, bro. That's, it. That's up there. Love your wife. Cherish her. Nourish her. So, but, but what, what action steps will you take? And it all starts with the Scriptures. So I want to end today with these Scriptures. Because it all ends with this. Listen to what God says. If you're going to fear something, and fear somebody, He will be the sure foundation for your times. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord. Look at that. You're going to fear something. You're going to fear somebody. But the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Just leave this up there for just a second if you would. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. How many people do you see on a weekly basis who are absolute fools? And they don't fear God. And they brag about it and they act like they're going to live forever. Those people are absolute fools, fools. I never will forget about five Easter's ago. I asked one of our neighbors at the YMCA if he'd like to come to church. He said, no. I said, well, well, okay. Would your wife? like? No. I said, all right. He said, you know why? I said, no. He said, he said, I think I am God. I said, what? He said, I think I am God. I said, let me get this straight. You really think like you're one of the big three, like father son holy spirit he said well no but i just i just i just think i am god i kid you not so now we see him jogging into the neighborhood and Danita always says hey there goes god (laughs) foolish the fear of the lord the fear of the lord is the key to this treasure you want to live tomorrow without all that anxiety it's it's the fear of the lord look at the next verse Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him, that His glory may dwell in our land. Let's have the next one. The Lord confides in those who fear Him. He makes His covenant known to them. I like that. He confides. He makes His covenant known. Don't you want to know God's will? You fear God more than anything or anybody else. He will make His will known to you. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries and he saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. And the next one. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. That's just how Proverbs starts off. You get that one right, you get all Proverbs right. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Isn't that true? Foolish people don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. Look at the next one. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Turning a person from the snares of death. How, how about the last one then? For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and a self-discipline. I, I don't know what your plan needs to be. I just know you need one. I just know I have a plan. I have fears. I fight fears. You fight fears. And the only way that we can really fight these fears is with a plan. What's your plan? I would encourage you in the next seven days to spend an hour by yourself and come up with your two or your three greatest fears. What do I fear the most? And then I would come up with a plan. If I fear this the most, what can I do? If I fear loneliness... You know, to have a friend, you have to be a friend. So if I think I'm being lonely, how can I have a plan to be a friend? If I fear that my spouse and I are going different directions, instead of being passive, what can I do to get engaged and, and involved? In, well, what's one thing that she would really like for me to do? What's one step I can take? If you fear failure, <clears throat> that's the number one fear for men is the fear of failure. If you fear failure and you failed and who hasn't we have all failed over and over again but success is getting back up and so you think about where did i get back up where where did I, where was i successful what did i do right what did i what did i do well fight fear with a plan and i would encourage you today this is not just a nice little talk but this will change your life if you'll spend an hour this week <clears throat> and identify your three greatest fears And you will take a little bit of time and just take a couple of baby steps toward that. Maybe your greatest fear is conflict. Maybe you're not very good at conflict. And you uh, you avoid conflict. Or maybe you blow up with conflict. Maybe that's one of your greatest fears. Talk to somebody who's really good at this. There are men in this room that are really, really excellent with conflict. But that's a plan. Go talk to them. Take them to Starbucks. Maybe they like coffee. Buy them a cup of coffee. Fight fear with the plan. So it's not that you're not going to have fear. There are fears out there and fears in here and fears in here. But living a fearful life, you are not design, designed for that. And my probably my favorite verse that I think about almost every day is, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, the spirit of the Antichrist is everywhere. Yep, he's trying to kill. Yep, he's trying to destroy. Yep, he's trying to. But greater is God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Greater is he who lives in me than he who is in the world. And that just fires me up. Okay? So, get alone. Come up with your top three. Come up with a plan. And if you you want to share it with me, I'd love to hear it. You buy you buy at Starbucks. I'd love to hear it. No, I'm just kidding about that. I really would. I, I would love to, to hear your plan or, or share your plan with one of your greatest friends. All right. Tim, thanks for inviting me today. Thanks for letting me be here today. I want to pray for us, and I'll turn this back over to you. Okay. Your scriptures give us the strategy on how to navigate through this challenging life. And your scriptures are clear that it all starts with the fear of the Lord. So may we fear you, may we revere you, and may we fight this with an incredible plan. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank Thank you.